Hey everyone, this is Jeff Stevens and this is the Creative Stick Up. I'm really excited because we've just added a new sponsor to the show, our friends at Creative Circle. Creative Circle, one of the nation's largest creative staffing agencies, and they truly understand the creative mindset. They represent the best creative minds in the industry and connect them with the companies that need their skills. Submit your request now and you'll be connected with an account executive in the next 24 hours to get you the right creative talent you need. Creative Circle candidates have worked with major brands such as Anheuser-Busch, New Balance, and the St. Louis Rams. Head to creativecircle.com for more information or call the St. Louis office at one 877 8513066 that's 8778513066 oh my goodness Another legend in our legend series. Hello, Jen. Hello. Jen's here. Um, and we have got Tom Townsend on the cast today. Both of us are thrilled. We're nervous. We're excited. Um, we're actually recording this before we sit down with Tom, so we're, we don't even know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be a great show. Tom, if you don't know, is a founder and partner in Rogers Townsend, one of the great St. Louis agencies in our, in our city. And he is a true legend, a true prince, a great gentleman, and a great creative. Uh, so let's give it up. For Tom Townsend. Right here on the show about refrigerators and the products that can help them. Tom Townsend is here. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's thank so you nice for having to, me. Yeah, thank you for coming. I, Jen and I were thrilled that you uh, des- decided to do this. So, well, well it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Yeah. So we usually start off just talking about what you're doing now. And I know there's just this unbelievable thing that you've got going that I, I, a lot of your friends and a lot of people who follow you know about, but I bet not everyone knows about this pianos for people. Yeah. Um, I am giving away pianos to people. <laughs> <laughs> because pianos That's weird. That's, that is weird. need people as much as people need pianos. Yeah. And and there's a big reason for this, and there's a big... How did you f- get involved in this, and what? Uh, well, the um, I've always been very much into uh, music. Yeah. And always... I grew up... My, my I was not... This will shock you. I was not on the football team. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I... My way of compensating was... Um, Bands. I played in rock bands. Okay, you're a rocker. Yeah, rocker and so guy. that's all. That was. I did not go to my prom because I was playing at my prom. Wow, you were the band that played at your prom. I was the band that played at the that's prom pretty... and an athletic supporter, apparently. Wow. Oh, very, very. <laughs> good. What was the name of this band? Uh, there were several. This sure. particular one was the Perennial Tears Band. Perennial mm-hmm. Tears. Perennial that's Tears. Perfect band. for a prom. We were known as. <laughs> we were known as the PTB. <laughs> And we were in the shadow of um, Almond Brothers and Leonard Skinner, who, okay. who had been playing. Leonard Skinner had been playing at the proms just a few years ahead of us. Mm. Oh wow! And this yeah. is in the South somewhere, Jacksonville, Florida. Okay, okay. Yeah, which is a good. That's a good music town right down there. It's a great music From town. When you were, I mean, going you know, I don't know if you if you were to go there right now, yeah. and say, let's hear some great music tonight. You may or may not hit it on a good night, but in terms of a um, a spawning ground for great bands, yeah. Leonard Skinner, um, Limp Biscuit yeah. came from there. Almond Brothers, uh, yeah. but basically put together two bands there to make the Almond Brothers band. Yeah. Um, uh, Slim Whitman came okay. from near there. Wow. So you're playing um, around in this time. And so this is in the '70s, and wow. I'm playing in bands. Um, and uh, went to college to be a music major, and then met the other music majors and realized these were not my people. And uh, wait, how so? Yeah. Um, well, now I, I work very closely with many music majors, and so I need to be careful. But <laughs> You've come full circle. Um, there was a kind of, and again, I, I seriously, the pianos people thing especially, um, music majors are very important to me now more than ever. But at the time, I was sitting in a class with people who had been geeking out on music uh, reading and mm-hmm. notation and theory since like seventh oh, yeah. grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Everything uh, at that moment for me in that class, it's not this way all the time everywhere, but for me at that time in that class, I was the only one who approached it non-academically, whereas all these other Mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. were on their way to careers in the written word, in music education, education. and pianos for people now. 
uh, we have several people with degrees in music pedagogy. Ooh. Uh, well, I don't, that, that sounds serious. Which, which, it uh, does. And somehow means, naughty, you know, How too. to teach music. And a lot of these peers of mine as a music major were headed towards those careers. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the, the discipline or detail to, um, I just wanted to play the song yeah, yeah. And, and not think too much about it. Did you play guitar? Piano. Piano. Okay. So you played yeah. piano. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, so, so then awesome. my, my high school bandmate mm -hmm. who I was in all my bands with, I went to, when I went to college, he went to New York. It was a big moment of, of decision. Yeah. Parents talking to the kids and my parents won. So I went to college. <laughs> Walter's parents <laughs> lost, so he went to New York. Oh, wow. And um, he's still a fantastic um, touring musician, and uh, he played with Richie Havens until Richie Havens died. Um, so he had a great career. He's had a great career, and he's still having one. Yeah, um, still playing. And so I did the advertising thing, and uh, eventually, and, and all along, I've been wanting to, to put uh, out-of-use pianos into houses. Okay. That goes way back, seriously. So this they, has been an idea that has followed yeah, you throughout yeah, your yeah. life. Yeah, when my son Alex died, yeah. that was the trigger to do it. Okay. But I had been um, been anxiously waiting for something to force me to do it all for a long time. When you, I'm curious, like, as a piano player, did you write songs? And is that how you yeah. got into writing and knew that this was... As you could in, have gone either way? Like, you wrote music and then advertising became a oh, thing? Oh, you know, or? interesting... Um, there really wasn't a conscious connection between my music growing up and advertising as a career, okay. which is really strange. I also, I wanted, I was very close to being a music, I mean, a English major okay. when I gave up music. Okay. Uh, I went through uh, several drop ads that were fast and furious. I don't know if that's still the term. <laughs> drop ad. Drop ad. Yeah. Is yeah. that that yeah. I dropped this major and I add another quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have five minutes. And so during that five minutes, once every four years, I was a physics major, a biology major, an English major, a history major. My major changed constantly. And uh, uh, I was really into authors okay. more than I was into their books, the lives of authors and, okay. and, and their personalities and everything. Yeah. And so I was always fascinated by writing, but I didn't ever think of that as um, necessarily a career path. Yeah. And uh, almost ended up majoring in English, but I finished finished the business major first. Okay. Which will shock anyone who's seen me in a business. <laughs> um, I, and, is that uh, like is your entire agency were like what? Yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. He was a business a lot major. Of laughs yeah, on everybody that one. needs a Tim Rogers. Everybody I know needs. A Tim Rogers in their life. So I ended up majoring in business okay. and, and I went into advertising because the, um, my senior year, all of my friends and roommates were going to grad schools. I wasn't. And I was very self-conscious about the fact that I appeared to have no future. Mm -hmm. Everyone had deadlines and I had none. It was like, yeah, well, I graduate, graduate in a month yeah. and they were all like, yeah, well, I'll be up at Harvard law by then. Yeah. So, um, I went on some interviews, um, and, and where uh, are you at school? At Duke University. Oh, Duke, okay. And I went to uh, I went to one interview that was with the Norfolk and Western Railroad. Okay. And I went into the room. Like to be a railroad guy? I thought for a minute there, I talked myself into that. I was going to be in the I'm... railroad business. And I really mean for a minute. I mean, it was the shortest minute. But you're still wearing the overalls. <laughs> Ooh, very good. I'm still wearing the over. Actually, they're overhauls. Oh, okay. They're overhauls. It's different. Um but I ended up finding an internship that was open for writing radio copy in Raleigh, North Carolina, oh. at a radio station. And so I took that and um, thought, this might work. You know, it was, yeah. hey, Tom, um, we need a 30-second spot for Gladwell florists. Right. And they give me a piece of paper with 30 seconds of lines on it. Yeah. Like 30 lines. Yeah, yeah. And I would write to the end of the last line, and it was stuff like, right now at Gladwell's, you can pick up begonias for less than half the price you can normally this time of year, and we'll throw in a furry something or other and, and you know, <laughs> say it with flowers, uh, you know, Wells Rich Road, um, 63104. Nice. And I would do that for... and, and um, Crank these things out. Crank, really? Yeah. Um, and then when I went home to Jacksonville uh, without a job, I started looking at ad agencies. Okay. And I, um, there was a, an agency there with a creative director who said, uh, I'm looking for an assistant. Um, I didn't really know what a creative director did yet yeah. versus a writer versus an art director versus any of that. Yeah. 
And I said, well, an assistant, I don't know. Is that like I'm your secretary or is that like I'm your bitch or am I your, <laughs> what am I? Or but I need, I need to you be need an assistant to a creative director. So yeah. he said, I'm having three people who are finalists each come up with a product and write a TV commercial, a radio commercial, and an outdoor board for it. Okay. And, um, and then I'm going to have you guys give me that and I'll choose between the three of you. So I, I went home and I created a product called the Lufkin Camera. Went back to him. The Lufkin Camera. The Lufkin okay. Camera. This sounds exciting. Yes. I, I took it back to him with the commercials written. He never called me back. <laughs> and at that point, I decided to be a doctor. At that time, I said, wow. you know what? Was, that, was the Lufkin Camera, was there a reason it was called this? No. No, you just pulled this? There's, <laughs> no. there's yes. no re- rhyme or reason for this? Okay. It was the Lufkin Camera. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had a, I had outdoor, I had TV, yeah. I had radio, which I'd never done before. Right, which is probably why he never called me back. And <laughs> so at that point, tell. at that point, I, I literally yeah. thought, you know what? I'm going to be a doctor. I should be in medicine. Well, and your dad is a doctor <laughs> because my dad's a okay. doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and that wasn't thought, so far fetched, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Although it really was, if you'd ever seen my academics, you know. <laughs> so well, I, you were a I, physics major for what, like ten, ten minutes. I was a physics major as long as it took to get from the physics desk at Drop Ad <laughs> over to some other desk. But but I ended up going I ended up going down to the University of Florida and talking to them about pre med courses. And they all said, Well, you'd have to basically start all over your undergrad. I went back to back home to Jacksonville and I heard about another job opening in an agency. I went back to that first agency. Yeah. And I said, I need to see the creative director, Bill Reidenbach, yeah. to pick up my samples because I was going to take my Lufkin camera stuff to my next interview. <laughs> this stuff is so good. Right. That's right. I'm taking it. He comes out and he says, oh, oh, hey, Tom, do you have a second? I said, yeah. And he takes me back to a conference room and he said, listen, um, and remember, I had not heard from this guy since he yeah. gave me this assignment. And he said, uh, listen, I'm, I'm resigning today. And I really would rather have the owner of the agency know that I was looking for my replacement. So if you're still unemployed, I'm just going to say I recommend you as my replacement. <laughs> if, is, that, is that cool with you? And I said, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so the agency head comes in and says, so you're, um, you're our new creative director. <laughs> and I said, yes, ma'am. Yes, I am. And, yes, uh, I am. And she said, what was your last job? And I said, I was writing radio for KPL something, W something or other in um, Raleigh. Yeah. And uh, she said, when did you graduate from school? And I said, two months ago. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, what was your major? And I said, business. (laughs) And she looked at me with this exasperation and said, do you at least like to write? And I said, yes, I love to write. And she said, well, we'll try you out until we get, until we can get a real creative director. Yeah. And I left before they could do that. I was there a year and a half, moved to St. Louis, and um, so they did not get one because you you filled in okay. I, I, apparently, you filled, I filled in, in okay. okay. Yeah, that's an awesome story. Yeah, it's very funny. It's <laughs> weird. It's so funny. So was this guy? Just, did the guy leave because he was just miserable there and was playing um, a joke on him, or just kind of was just one of those moments? You know what? He <laughs> went down to South Florida to work, I think, at an agency that specialized in in boats and recreational stuff. Okay. At the time, that was before Crispin was there, although Crispin was yeah, there, yeah. but it was before Alex Bogusky. Gotcha. And Crispin was just a big, boring agency, and he might have gone to Crispin because okay. it was Fort Lauderdale or Miami. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that all changed when Alex Bogusky yeah. came along. Interesting. That's, that's, an old, that's one of the best, how I got my start in this business. Story it's, a weird one. it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Because if something breaks the other like we could be Dr. Townsend right now. I don't know. That's exactly right. I could have just removed your spleen or something. That's right. You know? <laughs> I'm quitting, you know. Whether my doctor's you quitting today. I went to the doctor. He was quitting, but now I'm the doctor. Are you my new doctor? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> well, Tom has a few other stories like that, right? When you first came to St. Louis and interviewed at, what, what was it, Stoll's back in the day? Yep. It was Stoll's Advertising who hired me, who moved me here. And they had, uh, they became Glennon mm. eventually. So most people who know about, I mean, so many agencies, St. Louis agencies over the last 25 years are literally gone. Yeah. Uh, but they were, Glennon was pretty sizable at, at the time, but mm-hmm. they were Stoles when I was hired by them. Yeah. Don't you have a story about interviewing at Stoles? I have many of them. <laughs> <laughs> and was that the agency where uh, a, a very large local rental car company yeah. um, was a client? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, that, that was a company where Enterprise Leasing and Enterprise Rent-A-Car was a client. And, but that was, that was when, um, you know, today's uh, highest level of, of leadership were in their 30s. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, it was, it's kind of wild thinking back on, um, on that. Uh, okay. I'm going to, we got a little question from our sponsor. Right. We have a sponsor for this podcast. You know, I noticed that in your email, you have a sponsor. Exactly. Yeah, we do. Creative Circle. That's right. My best. Creative Staffing Agency. Brands come to them with projects that require creative talent, creative stuff like design, writing, UX. Creative Circle finds a candidate who fits the bill and sets them up with the gig. Simply by partnering with Creative Circle, those brands are more quickly able to get the talent they need to get stuff done so they can focus on their business. So I love yep. this. You've interviewed tons of people and obviously have been on the other side. So this is one of those staffing questions. Do you got any advice for people out interviewing with creative agencies? Uh, advice for the people looking for the job? Yeah, looking for the job. Um, I, uh, yeah, the, uh, to me, the, uh, and this is a real issue I feel that I never had to deal with, but, but people today have to, and that is you are already known and judged by your online presence before you can get in to compensate for your, your, your lackings yeah, yeah. with your personality. And I'm not saying that I compensated for all of what I lacked with my personality, but I will say <laughs> that that first job I got in St. Louis, mm-hmm. the work in that portfolio was terrible. Right. And I said to the guy who hired me several years later, why did you hire me? Why did you move me from another city? Yeah. You know, especially because the work was not good. Yeah. I now know that. <laughs> but you and thought it was good. I thought it was good. Yeah. And he said, it didn't matter, your work didn't matter because it was so obvious that you would be good at this because you were so into it. You can't convey that yeah. with a website yeah. and, um, or a uh, Behance page or anything. Yeah. So my advice, and I say this to people all the time, I try to, I would try to avoid at every juncture the temptation or fulfilling the request to send your work in advance. Ah. I would look for every possible excuse to get face to face fr- to get in front of the client before you reveal anything. Okay, um, because because uh, passion doesn't come through in that, and, yeah. and and the ability to explain. I mean, all kinds yeah. of stuff. You know, it may yeah. not come out that you are a big fan of um, of a particular athlete or artist yeah. who that that person is, and suddenly you're bonding over that. Yeah, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's your favorite movie. That's your favorite commercial. Mine yeah, too. That yeah. stuff doesn't come out when you send someone five ads that you did as a senior in college. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, uh, again, I, I taught for a while at SCAD uh, down in Savannah, mm-hmm. and a lot of those kids. This was about three and a half years ago, and they're all getting ready to go get out in the workforce. Yeah. And they're being taught as is appropriate. You know, in a in a broad sense, mm-hmm. you need to have a a great online presence. Yeah. You need a website. You yeah. need a portfolio online. You need to be able to send that out. You need to. And, and I would always say, those are the rules, and I get that, and you have to have that. But on a on an individual basis, with mm-hmm. each individual interview e interview scenario, try to accidentally or not try to not blow your whole presentation before you even show up. Yeah. You want to leave, leave them something for the room. It's the same thing with kids trying to get a job, um, who are not, who do not necessarily have a portfolio, maybe not creative. They, maybe they're on the account side, maybe they're on the production side, whatever, going through these applicant tracking software systems, right? You go to a company's website, they want you to upload mm-hmm. your resume and all that stuff, and it's so impersonal. So don't you think it's the same way that, that networking and who you know is is always going to be the preferred method of making connections and finding a job for kids? Absolutely, yes. Okay. You know, I think there's another another thing, and that is when you're excited about your work, and you tend to be when you finished your current portfolio, whatever that is, wow, I've... I've, I've cropped everything the way I liked it, even though the client didn't like it that way. I have it my way. I've got, a, I've got a, this number of pieces. It's in the right order. And you're proud of it. And you have this impulse to now share it with the world. But I'm against that too, because you know, you, of course you love it. You did it. There will be people who will not like it at all. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you hit send to 50 people and say, hey, check out my work, 25 or 30 of those people will already say, well, that guy, when he calls, I'm not wild about his stuff. Right. Um, 
you know, it's it's uh, another thing that was always I, I felt was counterintuitive. In school, they would always say you want three outdoor boards, three TV commercials, right. two radio spots, and, and and no interviewer is looking for variety in a book. They're looking for talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you ahead of time feel you're showing your best side by showing variety. Mm-hmm. But it's like when we were doing advertising for combos, snacks, and the client would often say, say we've got barbecue and ranch and peanut butter and cracker. And the answer usually was, people don't shop for five flavors. You know? Yeah. If I'm not looking for right now a, a, a radio spot with a TV spot with a print ad, then don't blow your chance to show me one thing that's really cool. Just because you have this OCD need to make sure that, that you also included a, a web banner. Yeah, yeah. And, and in school, they teach we you tell to them that. to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, I, and, I, and I, I under, totally understand that. But um, I think the human nature that is within every interviewer ends up trumping the human nature in the professor yeah. who is trying to help. Okay, that's good advice. I like that. How did you meet Tim? What's your um, story with him? Uh, Tim uh, it was at Darcy when I was at Darcy. Okay. And was uh, on two accounts that I was on. I was a copywriter on Natural Light Beer and Southwestern Bell. Nice. And he was the account person on Natural Light Beer and Southwestern Bell. Okay. Um, even though I grew within the company to become a group head, creative mm-hmm, director, mm-hmm. he was always, um, he had already been there and was higher up the ladder. Yeah. And um, even though we were theoretically parallel at the time that we left to start Rogers Townsend, he always had more experience, uh, just a, a, a real st- strong sense of how to do what we do. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's a funny thing. On one hand, uh, we left as peers to start Rogers Townsend. On the other hand, he was the guy when we were at Darcy. I mean, he was the guy... If you if you were going to start an agency with somebody, yeah, I'm really lucky that it was like you found. This. I got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you guys hit it off immediately when you look back at this, or did it take a while to work together? Or? No, it, we hit it off immediately. Yeah, that's and, and cool. you know what? It's weird. On one hand, there there are ways in which we're different, but in all the important ways, we're a lot alike. Yeah, and that's interesting. So if you're forming a partnership with someone, looking back at how why that worked for a long time, right? What were the things? You know, when you're like, these are the things you got to have, and these are the things that don't matter. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I think for us, and I would be interested in Tim's answer to this too, because we always compare notes on on those things. Yeah. Um, I think that among the things that worked for us, mm-hmm. or one, neither of us had money as the motivation. Okay. It was always to do work that we were proud of and to not do work that we would be embarrassed by. Okay. Um, so that was our main motivation. We were both equally committed at those times in our lives to this as the most important thing in our life. Okay. So it's not as if one of us had this golf hobby or this <laughs> baseball team we're coaching in Clayton and the other didn't. We right. were both on at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, we always had a strong sense of uh, wanting to be really candid and honest and fair with anyone we worked with. Okay. And so there never was an issue around um, what is so prevalent in, in, in corporate environments, which is, don't tell them that. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, why'd you say that? Yeah. We just didn't really have those issues. Yeah. And I think that part of that was being comfortable with acknowledging where we both when we both screwed up somewhere, we kind of, we found it funny. I mean, I mean, so you could give each other trouble or just be totally straight with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I didn't have to hide mistakes from Tim. Okay. And Tim wouldn't have to hide (laughs) that stuff from me. And, and, and one of the things about working with Tim that, that was a great thing, especially in those times when it was just two of us. And that was his instinct or his, his impulse to laugh when, 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 I might have cried, <laughs> you know, that, you know, there'd be a client, uh, yeah. there'd be a client mistake. And we had, a, we had a, an account person who, who sent an email to the client that they thought they had sent to Tim. 
Uh, and in the email, the, the the person wrote, this client is driving me bonkers. Oh, yeah. And it went to the client. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, there, there goes that account. Yeah. Um, that's terrible. We got to the client, and Tim took one look at the client who had just read the email and started laughing. <laughs> which diffused the whole situation. Diffused the whole situation. Right. And it makes it easier than on on the other colleagues of his to say, yeah. you don't need to walk on eggshells yeah. all the time. That's you were you had to manage between them. Right. Did, did right. you buy what he just said? <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. The other the other thing, um, I think, you know, besides being very self effacing, the, mm-hmm. the two of you were is um you guys had so much integrity and that was important to people like me in mm-hmm. HR who had to kind of uphold, you know, certain standards and had to rely on you guys um, for certain things. And in a, in a field where integrity is not necessarily the norm, um, I always thought that the two of you personally had so much of it and that, you know, that rolled, rolled down to the rest of us. I appreciate that. And it makes me kind of curious about, how does that show up in that kind of a scenario? Because everyone would claim to have integrity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that that um, <clears throat> says integrity to you when you're in that role? Well, when I when I first started, there was a um, there were just some rules that you know I kind of got to know um, from other people that work there, or whatever. It's sort of the stuff that you know when you after you start and you go through your onboarding, that somebody kind of elbows you and says, you know, this is how it really works around here. Mm-hmm. And those things came through um, with vendors. You know, we pay all of our vendors in 30 days. That's super important to us. Uh, we don't mark up certain things. And those were things that were socialized around the agency as, you know, this is how we do business. Yeah. And those things could have just sat in the finance department, right? But that was so important to them that, you know, that everybody in the um, everybody in the company know that yeah. that's, this is how we do business. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, for me, who was in mm-hmm. HR... I remember Tim saying, you know, we want everybody to want to work here, whether we actually want them to work here or not. So make everybody feel special, make everybody feel important, make everybody want to work at this place. You know, don't blow anybody off because that person could become a client someday or, you know, things like that. And, you know, I think not that we get a big head in HR, but I think when there's so many applicants coming and that that was a that was we were just a talent magnet. You know, I didn't have to do a whole lot of outreach because we always had people that were coming to us yeah. because of the reputation yeah. for great work and great people. But I think, you know, leaving everybody with the impression that um, if we could hire you, we would, even if we didn't choose to hire that yeah, person, they felt special. Yeah, you know they always felt special. Yeah, I, I, that's uh, you're right. He would say that, but and and also one of the things that I used to feel strongly about is I wanted uh, employees who would work and behave in such a way with clients as if their hidden objective was to get a job with the client. Mm. Ah. Because if you were working as if that was your real plan, yeah, then you're making that client dependent on you and love you and want mm. you. And I would rather, I'd much rather have the problem of filling that opening later than someone who just isn't really making that connection well enough. Yeah. And so I would, I would tell people, you know, service that account as if you're trying to start your own agency and you want to take that with you. Right. And if right. you end up doing that, shame on me for not keeping you, being yeah. able to keep you. Right. That's funny. Or- so you retired in, what was it, 2014? Uh, there's this, uh, I think, 14, the 14. summer of. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. What do you miss the most? I like like to be less cliche, but I miss the people I worked with every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of talent. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot well, of and, people there. Yeah, and unless you're in a toxic situation in terms of people and, and, and culture, yeah. Uh, for the most part, advertising people have fun all day. And there are exceptions, and there are people right now saying, you must be fucking kidding me. Yeah. I'm, you know, This is not fun. There are those days. But the kind of people that the business attracts and the way they tend to spend um, their time mm-hmm. on projects uh, tends to make, you know, you, you, can, you can have partners in crime and real great collaborations that, that are fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you guys started... How long did it take you? Were there lean years when you started? Or did you take a client with you? Or was there a day when you're like, 
I think we've made this, Tim. I think we're going to actually make this thing. Um, <laughs> good question. We, um, we, when we left Darcy, we had non-competes, okay. which forbade us from talking to any uh, client yep. at Darcy. Yeah. And so we did start with a bank loan, but we never tapped it. We started with, oh. a, with a credit line. Okay. But literally, I, um, I resigned on Thursday, and on Friday, I was using an office in a law firm as my office, and Tim was able to, to get, uh, relieve himself of some responsibilities at Darcy within the next few weeks, and by then, we were both in that firm, okay. and by then, we had already contacted 15 or 20 potential clients, okay. introducing ourselves and trying to set up meetings. Okay. So... Um, we uh, we hit the ground uh, with an absolute drive to get accounts in here, get accounts in here, get an account in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But we um, couldn't take a client with us, even though in the end it was a client who left Darcy, or I should say, even though they, they did leave Darcy long before that, AT&T, as they became, okay. um, gave us a small piece of business that, that could have stayed at Darcy, but when that non-compete um, ended... It came to us. Okay. And that was sort of the big, first big thing. And because AT&T has been there forever, right? Right. It's been yeah. there from the beginning, but the first, if you were to say first big thing yeah. and where you're going, wow, we just made a presentation against other agencies and we won. Yeah. That would have been either right choice health insurance, okay. an Illinois plan out of Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield here, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, or it might've been Ameren. Okay. And it might have been Mercantile Bank. Those were three accounts that we were... Quickly got pitches for and quickly or went in and right. won. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. And, and how long... What was the run there? You started in what year and ended in 2014? We started so this was, in 96. Okay. And we had our 20th anniversary. 20th anniversary, right. Just recently, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that you kind of come away with as truisms that, that sometimes you're warned about ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And later you're going, yep, that was right. You know, like Ted Simmons told us, you're going to get, um, you're not going to get accounts from those people who you think are going to give you accounts. You will get accounts from the people you least expect it from. Wow. That kind of mm-hmm. stuff ends up happening. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and that's sage wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, but, but that was true. Wow. That, it, that's a, that is an incredible run over that time. Agencies have come and gone. And as you just said, not many are left, right? When you started. Yeah. Even when I was doing it, there's, it just seems has evolved or whatever yeah. changes. Like the big names. agencies spun off all these little Rogers agencies. Rogers Townsend right? has yeah. been consistently great mm-hmm. for that long, right? That's often nice to and, say. Well, thanks. And cons- a, a great size, great people, great work. Mm-hmm. Says a lot. Lots well, thank of long term employees, yeah. lots of people that right? have stayed. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and um, weren't you at Momentum? Mm-hmm. So we've known a lot of the same people from the yeah. Darcy uh, yeah. culture. Because yeah. lots of them went to Momentum and yeah. ultimately, yeah, we're there. And yeah, Darcy is a one of the yeah. great agencies in town that everyone worked for right. at some point. And there's Sent lots of good people away with, like, with <laughs> the job to start agencies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. And a lot of them did come out of Darcy. Yeah. So when you guys... He won loads of, probably the most award-winning agency in town. I'm, I remember going to several Addies and thinking that Rogers Townsend was paying people because it seemed like the <laughs> night was always there. Well, we did pay the ad club did, to oh. enter awards. Uh, true. <laughs> right? You pay a fee. Everybody had to. That's, That's true. Right. Yes. Right. That's right. right. But anyway, well, like, just great. when you got there, did you know how, you know, because creative teams now have processes and you got to show clients how you do this work. And I don't know if that if there was a way that you brought with you to do the work that all of a sudden, if the way we do creative flows to my team, what did you bring to that, Tom? That you know what I'm saying? That just in set presentations this to clients or just or within the agency? How you did it? Just yeah. Well, the, it, that was so much simpler than you might imagine. Yeah. Since um, since we started with Tim as the account guy and yeah. me as the copywriter. Okay. And we hired my long-term art director partner, Jim okay. Fortune to work with me as he always had been. Yeah. We just started... So you kind of had your vibe. We already... We just we just changed buildings in a way. <laughs> and then when we hired, yeah. um, we just kept working on our accounts and gave the new accounts to the new people. Okay. So there never was much protocol or structure or uh, internal formula that, mm-hmm. was, that was preordained or okay. 
it was really, really organic. Okay. Um, she, she didn't need a process. She didn't say, here's how we do it here. And it's an ABC thing. We it didn't. was a, mm-hmm. let's. I mean, we had, when, when clients asked, we would be able to articulate what was behind things the way sure. we did it. Yeah. But there was never a employee orientation where people learned the RT way yeah. as it, as it related to workflow. There was yeah, as yeah. it related to culture and yeah, things, yeah. but but yeah, there never was. In fact, one of the things that I, I said a lot in the beginning. And I think that's so honest and truthful because I always see agency processes on how they actually get to the creatives as bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's usually branded. <laughs> no, right. It's like, oh, that's not how we do it. Right, well. Um, but most agencies feel they need this thing. Right. And Artsy's never just. No, that, that, it's totally Yeah, right. they put a little copyright on it. It's the such and such process. Yeah. Well, right? One of the things that I used to to say in the very beginning to to employees or in the interview process mm-hmm. was, it's and this was coming from the Darcy experience, but I would say, you know, I'm busy on my accounts now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take time off of that to look at your work and um, be your creative director. I'm, I'm available, but yeah, but we all want to be senior creative people working on our clients and. Um, I also used to say it's hard enough getting the work out of most agencies to the client. Yeah. So we're not going to let that be a problem. It's between you and the client. Yeah. And uh, that we were able to practice still Tim and, and the RT people still, it's very unusual for someone internally to say over my dead body. Yeah. And I heard that all my career until Rogers Townsend yeah. <laughs> over my dead body. I heard a lot. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there never was that system. That's great. That's from the top down. I mean, that flows through because you're absolutely right. The agencies that I worked for, there was, you know, the five o'clock, I remember working in McCann Erickson, just doing some stuff for them. And every day, every piece of work before I left the building had to go through this Mm -hmm. over my dead body kind of moment where you're like, can't get it. It's hard to get stuff out of the building. No, I know. (laughs) Right. That's, I know. It's crazy. I know. So I totally good. agree with that. Yeah, and that and that makes everyone. I don't know. It's not good culture. Right. Good culture. That's so right. funny. So we we sort of interrupted this pianos for people thing, but I oh, definitely yeah. want to talk about like this this entity exactly what it is. You have have started this organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the um, pianos for people when um, uh, when my son Alex died in 2010. Okay. I was still full-time Rogers Townsend, totally immersed in that. And I thought that I was going to, um, in a way I made a conscious decision, but life like taught me Mm -hmm. how erroneous it was. I thought, well, this is a terrible, terrible thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to work tomorrow. I'm going to, there are people there counting on me. There are clients counting on me. I'll find a way to deal with this and I'll put this in a place. Um, as I get get more acquainted with it, but I've got work to do, yeah. and I'm not and I'm not going to really significantly change my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the side, I'm going to start this piano thing that okay. I've wanted to do for a long time. Okay. And once that took on its own momentum, mm-hmm. and an art and music festival that we started in Savannah, Georgia, right. uh, to honor Alex as well, I started that quote unquote on the side. Okay. And so I was doing those both while still at Rogers Townsend. And right. as everything grew simultaneously, I had to finally pick one or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so that's when I left and did these separately. But, okay. um, yeah, pianos for people. People donate pianos to us when they feel that they don't want them anymore or they're downsizing mm-hmm. or a, a church may not want it anymore mm-hmm. or whatever it is. We repair them, restore them, and... The other side of the organization is families and individuals who can't afford sometimes school lunches most of the time. That's right. kind of a criteria for sure. us and um, want music in the house mm-hmm. and they will apply for a piano. And then we, 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 we deliver the refurbished piano for free to the family. It's theirs for life. We give them two tunings after it's been delivered. Um, and a, a big part of that is rooted in my, respect for the acoustic piano, which is an endangered species with, with MIDI keyboards and, and controllers and, yeah. and samples. And um, as that technology has gradually replaced acoustics, yeah. uh, children and families, uh, when their acoustics went away, nothing else came in. No one brought a Roland 88 key controller into the family whose piano 
uh, went away with grandma. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the fundamentals, a, a relationship with music is available to a kid if there's a piano in the house. Yeah. And there used to always be a piano in the house. Yeah. So what we do is is uh, get pianos back into houses, um, specifically those houses of where households have come forward and said, I want that. Yeah. Because if you try to get rid of a piano right now, you may not find a taker right now because there are so many options out there for somebody. Yeah. But those who have no options, um, wow, my, you know, a, a single grandmother raising a grandchild mm-hmm. uh, in a really tough neighborhood, mm-hmm. when she hears that her kid can get a piano and take free lessons, which we now do, yeah. uh, they can't get it fast enough. That's and, amazing. Yeah, the lessons too. Yeah, we, so yeah cool. we have a school in Cherokee, uh, which is a free lessons academy. And right now at 7 something p.m., there are kids and teachers down there teaching uh, kids free lessons, whole families. Because a mom and dad will say, Johnny's got his piano lesson. Well, I might as well take one too. And Sally might as well take one too because we're all sitting here. Yeah. And it's all the same price, zero. Yeah. yeah. And we've got a piano in the house. And now we've got a piano in the house. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to learn how to right. play. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I grew up, my, my mom played the piano. My grandmother played the piano. And it was, and it, you, I miss that. And every, we got together and sang all the time. Played songs, sat on the piano and sang. And you just, it just doesn't exist anymore. No, that doesn't. And that what, whole, what still crazy. might, I think what still does is, you're right, singing singing around the piano yeah. went away with Jimmy Stewart, probably. Yeah. But a kid picking out a John Legend song yeah. that they heard on a YouTube video and going, I, play I think that. I just played that <laughs> John Legend song. When that happens, there's a whole kind of, ah, right. I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 too short for the basketball team. Mm-hmm. I have asthma. I uh, this. <laughs> I have that. But I by tomorrow, this. I'll probably know that um, Beyonce song. Yeah. Now that I know how to listen, listen. Yeah. Um, and that's totally. Uh, I mean, life changing. I was the kid with asthma who wasn't tall enough to play basketball. Right. And I just, um, I mean, it gave me an incredibly the, the, all the identity that I needed. And yeah. the kids don't have that right now. They don't have a. Yeah. A thing that they're quote good at unless they are an exceptional athlete. Yeah. Well, and just the whole idea of music in the house is so different. Everyone's on their tablets or phones or just disconnected and it just is like such a great way to connect. So true. It, right? Yeah. So yeah. Tom, does pianos for people feed the Alex Townsend scholarship or what's the connection between those? It's a really good question. Thank you for asking that. Um, <laughs> there's the Alex Townsend Memorial Foundation, which began with two projects that it produced. The A-Town Get Down Art and Music Festival in Savannah and Panels for People in St. Louis. Then those two entities grew to the point where they are independent 501c3s. So the Alex Townsend Memorial Foundation is a family foundation that as needed, Gene and I use to help fund those two projects. Okay. So if somebody were to make a donation to any of the three, they would go to... If you make a donation to Pianos for People to help us, that, that isn't actually to acquire pianos. That's to pay teachers and repairs and deliveries. That money goes right there. If it goes to the A-Town Get Down Art and Music Festival, it goes to pay our bands and, and artists there. If it goes to the Alex Townsend Memorial Foundation, we, we could spend it on either one. But there are three different entities. Gotcha. Okay. You want to tell us about Alex? Yeah, um, Alex was 21 when he passed away uh, in 2010 on Valentine's Day in an auto accident, single car accident, and um, coming home from a party. He was a, a sophomore at Savannah College of Art and Design and was a, was a, was a, a, a graphic design major but also had an interest in audio. He, uh, especially growing up with me, uh, and him being our oldest kid, he and I did a lot of music together and a lot of concerts and festivals mm-hmm. together. And um, he was a really good drummer and he was a uh, really good artist. And so he was pursuing audio uh, or was considering adding audio to his thing, but his major technically was graphic design at the time. But growing up, we he grew up in Clayton and um, was a, a kind of uh, square peg in the round hole of public education. Uh-huh. So he was always, always wanting to do things that were not part of the, part of the rules at the time right. in class or whatever. And he was a very experiential learner. Um, mm-hmm. So he went to high school in, uh, 
in New England at a school where my wife, Jean, is currently the board chair, which is all about experiential learning. It's okay. like, oh, you like to play drums? Here are some drums. That's how we're you need to play you. drums uh, two hours a day. You know, you want to learn math, mm-hmm. design and build a bridge and, and construct it over that, that lake. You know, it was yeah. very experiential. And mm-hmm. um, uh, graduated from there. Again, he kind of found himself at that school and then especially at SCAD. Where, what he didn't have in his Clayton upbringing yeah. was a highly creative community of young people who were irreverent, um, artistic, uh, con, uh, controversial. Yeah. He was that kid in a, in a classroom full of really good students. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he went to SCAD, and it was like he, he literally found his, said... found his people. I found my people. I'm going to college here, you know, yeah. and... Um, and that's why we have the festival down there because he really found a million Alexes down there and wow. they are down there now. Yeah. And so that's why we have the art and music festival there. And this is seventh year coming up. We, this right. is the seventh year. And when is, what time of year is it? Uh, it's, all, it's traditionally been around Valentine's day because okay. of when we lost yep. him, but yep. this year it's March 25th. Okay. Um, and it's uh, three stages of bands for 12 hours, as well as visual art. Wow. Uh, all kinds of visual artists, from sculptors to ceramicists to painters to illustrators to screen printers. And then musically, it's, it ranges from uh, major artists uh, who have some reputation, as well as unknown and beginning artists so they can feed off of each other. So it's really, it's all about, and it's a giant open jam session under one tent for three hours so that people can bring in. It's very experiential, interactive. And who who helps you do this? Are you still doing all this stuff? I'm still doing all this with, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, this. That's a big project. It's, it's, you know, it's much bigger than I thought it would be. Um, That's a lot of stuff to get. It's a lot of stuff. And I don't live in that city. Right. And so this is the first year we have someone full time in Savannah helping me coordinate. Okay. This year, the headliner band is Cracker. Nice. Remember those guys? Yeah. They're great. Dave Um, Lowry. Dave Lowry, exactly. I love him. Um, Camper van Beethoven. Camper van Beethoven. Van Beethoven. Wonderful. Um, so Cracker is the headliner. Um, also, uh, Bobby Rush, if you know anything about yeah. early James Brown R&B, he was, one, he was in, the, in uh, the James Brown band. Okay. He's in his 80s now. Wow. Um, Colonel Bruce Hampton. Yeah. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Aquarium Rescue yeah. Unit. Yeah. Those guys. That's old school. That's yeah. like from it, the, that's from your 70s, it, it early is. 70s, right? It's, it's old school. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> Tommy, um, you put the old in old school. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> exactly that. right. Uh, you ever hear Snarky Puppy? No. Online? Snarky puppy horn yeah, section is coming. The sound guy has. <laughs> Sammy yeah. Oh, that's um, cool. Are they any relation to Sleepy Kids? So they're not. This they is a serious-ass festival. Oh, it's very serious. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like a big lineup for no, anywhere. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, we had Robert Randolph last wow. year. Wow. You would know, probably. Yeah. The Blind Boys of Alabama the yeah. year before that. Yeah. Legends. Um, and it's beautiful in Savannah in March. This is a, this is a road trip. I can see a road trip it, happening it is, for this. It is a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city. Oh, and yeah. the yeah. SCAD is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just a, an amazing place. It is. It's a very, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a lot of people amazing. like Charleston and I like Charleston, but Savannah is a, is a slightly more gothic, dark yeah, and um, mysterious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little who's, more ghosts. Who's the artist that did the, um, there's a sculpture at the, at a memorial garden on campus, right? Yeah. Um, a, a, a sculpture, sculptor by the name, sculptor by the name of Eve Paquette did a, a water um, feature with ceramic shapes and colors that he took from Alex's illustrations. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really cool, very big and dimensional and colorful, and, and every shape in there came from one of Alex's trippy, hippy-dippy. He was a very, if you, if you are into and know much about rock and roll history, the Fillmore concerts mm-hmm. in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and the Fillmore posters, concert mm-hmm. posters, very yeah. trippy, hippie, and yeah. LSD. And were kind of the, the quintessential rock posters, they right? Were, that's in the right. early 60s. And they just sort of I came out of nowhere. And yeah, all of a sudden, right. here these things are. Right. They're very, they're very collectible and cool. Yeah. And, and uh, a lot of Alex's artwork was in that in style. The same, how cool. And so, so that informed that sculpture. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, down there. So where can people learn more about A-Town? Yeah. A-Town Get Down. Pianos right. for People. Pianos for People. Uh, thank you for asking. A-TownGetDown.org. Okay. Uh, A-TownGetDown or A-Town Without the Dash. Both work. Okay. okay. GetDown.org. Um, pianosforpeople.org. And 
uh, atownfoundation.org, which is more the overarching organization. But more and more, it's those two individual nonprofits that are um, pretty much running on their own now. Mm-hmm. And um, my my art, my Rogers Townsend, uh, obviously, my Rogers Townsend income stopped when I left. Yeah. And <laughs> obviously, happens, my right? outflow. What? What's going on, people? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Let's make America great again. I want my I want That's my right. salary to continue until I die. <laughs> Um, I want to say things that aren't true that are true. Exactly right. Fake news. If I say it often enough, you'll stop questioning me. That's right. But my income stopped when I left Rogers Townsend, and my expenses began with with A-Town and Panels for People. And uh, so my world right now really is getting those two things self-sustaining. So I have some retirement. Panels for People is almost there although we still need financial help to pay teachers. Okay. A-Town Get Down is still is further behind that. Yeah. Um, so my hope is that in the next maybe two years for it to start breaking even. Okay. And um, and I think we're going to get there. Good. It, it's a lot of work. I mean, producing yeah. that kind of festival is a lot of work and making money or just breaking even. Yeah, well. Good for you. I was just talking to, to yeah. um, other festival uh, yeah, you're in a uh, good entrepreneurs and they'll all tell you, you know, um, until you've established a brand, yeah. most sponsors don't want to give you a lot of money. Yeah. So you're going to lose money for a while, and then you've got a brand, and suddenly people want to be a part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think you're there. This you're year, we're, there. we're we're very close to that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Well, I was going to say, I hope that that we're talking about what you want to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about you. Yeah, stuff. we just want yeah. to hear your story. Especially if if uh, if much of the audience. Well, this is a creative. Um, Subject matter, I guess, not just advertising, correct? Correct. Yes. This that's, is a, a, that's a key thing? Yeah. Absolutely. What, yeah, what inspires you? What what turns you on and what people... I think people in the creative business want to do all these wonderful things. And I think listening to your story of coming from this agency, it's like we've all done our agency work. And at some point, I know for me, it, it seemed like you, there had to be something else out there, right? And you yeah. have found that. A real yeah. meaning, a real... You know, and I think it's interesting advertising brands all want to tap into these things that are meaningful now and just listening to what you're doing now in this space. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, the, um, I think that, uh, it's, it's interesting. There are those people who have something that they feel like if I wasn't doing this, I'd go do that. Yeah. And there are others who don't have that feeling. Yeah. And, um, I always knew that I wanted to return to music. Yeah. Um, it took the loss of Alex to kind of kick me out of the agency to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I think you're right that, that creative people always want to be making things. Yeah. And we're, we're anxious and moody and, and, and pissy. So true. If we're not immersed in something and making it. I know. Um, and so if there's not an ad due anymore, mm-hmm. uh, I got I to make something. I've got to solve something. Totally. And um, I'm, I'm antsy and moody and irritable if I'm not. That's so funny. I'm right there. My wife calls it when I talk to myself and she can hear me talk to myself in other rooms and I'm trying to crack something and I'm pissed off until I crack it. And it's the same. Yeah. Isn't that it? Oh, that's absolutely it. <laughs> and it's, 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 where are you right now? Yeah. Earth to Tom. Totally. And then I go, Jane, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. But you know, um, to your question about what, what inspires you and that kind of thing. One yeah. thing that I, that struck me when I was teaching at um, SCAD was the, that not everybody has, and, and you would think that, that especially committed creative people would have, a, uh, an always-on creative uh, receptor that, 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 mm-hmm. um, it, that you don't turn it off and on at 9 and 5 o'clock. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, in line, I think this was in the St. Louis uh, Egotist at, at some point, mm-hmm. so this may be an old story to your listeners, but... I was in a line at McDonald's drive-through in mm-hmm. Savannah, Georgia. Okay, and the um, it was Halloween coming up. Yeah, and the the teenager behind the counter said, "Do you teach at SCAD?" Because there was a sticker on my car. Yeah, I said, "Yeah," and she said, uh, "I want to be a cat for Halloween, but uh, I want to do a better costume than just the classic cat costume. Do you have any ideas?" <laughs> and I said. Uh, Give me my quarter pounder and my Diet Coke. Uh, and then I said, uh, I'll give you some ideas. Just give me your number and I'll call you with yeah. it. 
So this is a brief from the, the person at McDonald's. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> I get her number and her name. I go back to some friends of mine who are students in yeah. the department at SCAD called Fibers, which is right. fashion like textiles, and creating yeah. stuff. <laughs> and I said, hey, this lady at McDonald's Come wants on. a great cat costume. She has very little money. What do you think? What would you do? Yeah. And everyone laughed so hard at the fact that um, <laughs> I asked take them take on that, that assignment. Yeah. So I said, guys, seriously, I owe her a call now. Yeah. I'm committed. Right. Yeah. Give me some ideas. She's... And they never, it was like, well, since it's not part of something due tomorrow, I can't fit this in to my yeah. Mm. And because I had committed to her, I ended up calling her a few days later saying, hey, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some thoughts. And I have no business coming up with cat costume <laughs> right, ideas right. at all. But I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it. Yeah. And um, I gave them to her. She said, thanks and all that. I can't believe you called me back. That's great. I'll do that. I don't know what she ended up doing with it. But my point is that if you're lucky, creative people are challenged by problems like that, yeah. whether they are told well in advance or on the spur of the moment yeah. that you have an interest in in playing yeah, the game yeah. and participating. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you could get McNuggets out of it. Yeah. You might get an apple pie if you're <laughs> really on it. Hello. An apple pie. Exactly. And that, you know, creative people, that's a muscle like anything yeah, else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you choose to only work out when you're in the mood, uh, that muscle isn't mm -hmm. going to be as, as developed. Yeah. Right. So. Um, and it's, it's so funny because in the agency world, the different roles you play is, you know, the account person or whatever would be like, oh, hold on, we need a brief. And then the planner and the strategist, wait, we need two weeks to write this whole thing together. And, you know, you and I are like, let's just crack this thing. I, yeah. Well, you know, you're talking. <laughs> it's so easy. Ever, whatever. It's fun. It's like, yeah. this is what we do. Well, you know, the thing that's yeah. kind of considered by many people sacrilege on that topic of yeah. strategy is that, um, that you're following a strategy to do the work. And that if at the end you can't show exactly how that strategy takes you to that answer, yeah. then it's kind of to those who are not as uh, sophisticated. Let me say, <laughs> it's um, it can't be right. right. But what 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 is overlooked is the fact that the strategy exists because the ad doesn't yet. Right. So until there's an ad, what might that ad say? Yeah. And um, let's create a strategy around what might that say and why might it say that? Yeah. If on the way there you you pass the the treasure chest, uh, and because you found a shortcut, yeah, um, you know as as we've said at Rogers Townsend before, as Tim says, no one's looking for a uh, a quarter inch drill; they're looking for a quarter inch hole, right? And so the strategy is all around, you know, is a picture of a quarter inch drill. Yeah. Well, if I can make that hole and make it in a faster, more exciting, and memorable way, yeah. Why should I have to dumb down what I just came up with to fit what you came up with when there was nothing but a vacuum to fill? I know. And it's, and it's, it's, it's a great discipline. It's important to make sure everyone's on the same page. Strategies yeah. are important. Yeah. But it's also important to remember that it's a, it's a roadmap, um, and you might choose a different way to get, to get there. Amen. I, and I, I tell you, I'm a 70% write the strategy after I got the creative and that it, people don't like that, but it just makes sense. Like it falls into place because this thing now exists and it all makes sense. Yeah. Well, life. and it does. Um, and it's all, it's okay. Yeah. Everyone calm down. Well, probably depending <laughs> upon, probably depending upon how, you know, on the individual creative person. Yeah. Some people probably would really ruin things doing that. Yeah. But if you're good at what you do yeah. or you are responsible respectable respectable or respectful yeah. to your client and your yeah. colleagues yeah. I, I would agree with you but there's yeah. some people out there who will come up with something terrible yeah and inappropriate and then say hey look i wrote the strategy later yeah. and then everybody's going yeah that's why we have strategies yeah, idiot. yeah. <laughs> um we can do a but, whole podcast on strategy <laughs> first then do you have to do it that way or can you do it the other way or yeah. what right? we need to put him in the room with bob cunio i know we said but we had bob cunio on who has strategy and insight. And he and I would agree, and you would agree with this, that the, one of the most valuable things to a creative is a great insight. You yes, get a lot of right. insights, and most of them aren't great. Right. <laughs> They're not, like, great, so it doesn't help. But when you get a great one... Well, see, and I think that you could right? follow the insight and the strategy to a T 
but still end up with an ad that, that doesn't fair. look like it's to a T. Yeah. And that's when that's it comes to, well, let me, let me tell you how I got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I ingested what you said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I really did. But, um, you know, that, a lot of strategies sometimes uh, are written in such a way that the expectation on the client part is that you're going to use those exact words. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am so pleased to have you. So let's oh, just listen, say that. No, this yeah. is an absolute. Absolute yeah. pleasure for me. My, uh, my night, I brought my son to Pianos for People. Tom had him up on stage, taught him how to play right then and there. No way. As you're watching, he's playing. Tom's playing. The whole the place is packed. So the next, I don't know when you're, are you having another yeah, event come um, up? It's going to be March 3rd. March 3rd. Book it now. On what Friday, March 3rd, bring at your, Pianos for People bring on your, Cherokee. Yeah, bring so your kids down. Is it just down, a, be, like a jam session? Jam session. Yeah, it's a, it, you bring your kid down, yeah. and they sit in with the band. And it's oh, so much fun. so cool. And it's not hard to sit in with the band, because I will show you. It's it's blues, and yeah. often, the, you, know, you know, as long as you're playing tastefully, you don't need to play fast and, and complicated. Mm-hmm. So yeah. much fun. I mean, for me, the thing behind that, and it's the same thing with the A-Town Get Down, is creating a situation where a kid can hear applause for them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think when a kid hears someone clapping for them, there's a kind of... What? Are they clapping? It's kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> are they clapping for me? And <laughs> and I think a thing goes off. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, this, is uh, cool. this was a good day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I got beat up this morning, but at the end of the day, I think I know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Tom Townsend. Thank you guys very, very much. And remember, whether you're looking for creative talent or you're the creative type looking for exciting opportunities, Creative Circle is the solution. They understand your business and will provide you with top creative talent ideally suited for your needs. They've got offices from St. Louis to L.A. to Fort Lauderdale and everywhere in between. Check out their website at creativecircle.com for more information. 